Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Different one this week uh, with one of the my one of the head podders as uh, lounging himself on the sun lounger somewhere on this blue planet. Uh, myself, Stuart Court, is this week joined by three of our most loyal, maybe our only listeners. Well, two of them aren't Nick. I'm not too sure. Nick, Dan, and Dave. How are we, boys? Evening, mate. Yeah, very good. Spurs have just won, so I'm going to fill in for Adam on that front. Delighted <laughs> with three points in the lane. Great performance for the boys. And and, and the, the the Academy product, James Madison, is back as well, which is always good. Madison's is back. He's already rattling Neil Mope, and the vibes are good. The vibes are good in the lane. How are we, Daniel? Watford didn't lose, so there's a positive. And that is as positive as Dan going. Is going to be uh, the Seahawks have a new head coach. They've gone from one of the oldest coaches in the league to now the youngest coach, who's about seven months older than me. Which is, uh, yeah, uh, former Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald on a six-year contract. Uh, Nick, I mean, with all the stuff that's happened over the last few days, he was a one name left, wasn't he? So it's 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 quite. Uh, quite relieved that they've actually gone A1. Yeah, I think relieved is one word. Certainly there's that with some of the names being banded around that I don't (laughs) think any of us particularly wanted. But I think delighted as well. If we're looking at resumes, looking at where we've all wanted the Hawks to go, we've wanted to get younger, we've wanted to get one of these brighter minds into Seattle and just see if we can mix things up a, a bit and become a challenger to the McVeighs and Shanahan in the division. And I think McDonald, whilst... We, I think, I certainly went into the off-season hoping for an offensive mind. So did Adam. Uh, I know that. I don't know. These boys can speak for themselves later. But that was a bit disappointing that we didn't get that. But when we didn't go down the offense route, I think McDonald was head and shoulders above the other candidates in terms of excitement of what he could bring to the Hawks. And that Ravens D, I'm sure we'll dig into it. That Ravens D last year, statistically, was just absolutely phenomenal. And even in that championship game at the weekend, you saw the way he made adjustments after going down early. They locked down Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs for most of that game, and it wasn't the defence that let them down. No, they put a lot of teams in the blender this year. Uh, Dave, initial reacts to MM? Um, well, as you know, uh, that's where my money was. So um, <laughs> let's get that in straight away. Um, no, to be fair, it was him or Johnson. And as soon as Johnson said no, it was yeah, that was my choice. Um, with Pete, I mean, the players even said it. If you've ever watched the NFL Top 100, they say it's such a vanilla um, scheme that they run offense and defense. It's It almost could be 180 uh, flip to that now, to the point of where um, you've seen it with Baltimore. Though, what they'll do is they'll take teams out before they've even started. And they're not just teams that are uh, a lot average, like the Seahawks were. They're teams that are currently set, setting records uh, on pace year on year. And Dolphins, the Niners, even the Rams um, were outperforming with Stafford at one point. Puka Nakua. I'm, I'm excited, genuinely excited. I think I, I was very much back and forth between wanting an offensive mind and wanting a defensive mind. I don't think I'd actually really settled on one. 
But I think once uh, once what's his face Johnson decided he was done and, and was staying in Detroit, I think as you say it was it was a one. It was it was the right decision. And I think the fact they've given him a six year contract says a lot because I think it's them saying we're backing you regardless. And I think that's a real positive for for us as, as Seahawks fans. And I think you know I think Dave and I both tweeted today that what comes next is. It's huge, right? Well, what goes underneath him is going to be massive in terms of coordinators. And I've, I, for one, am excited to watch a decent Seattle defense again because, well, I wasn't this grey last time we had a decent one, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, with the 395 pressures, I think it was, that the Ravens defense created in 23-24 season, I guess. Um, but it doesn't seem like none of their defense... Defensive players, their edge rushers were are high up on the sack list. It's the guy elsewhere in the AFC North, TJ Watts of the Worlds and Miles Garrett's. But that's kind of encouraging because if you watch the, the Seahawks team in and how they've built it over the last couple of years, it's the Weatherspoons, it's it's the, it's the Reek Woolens, it's we yet to know what's going to come in the deep backfield and secondary. But the secondary is clearly a big part of creating those pressures by just locking down everyone, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got a list of some names here that I mean they've rightly been lauded the last few years for Seahawks. So I've got Spoon, Greek, Maffe, Hall, and Chenna. So I mean, those players that you'd think uh, a coach like that can get the best of. Um, I think we've been realistic. That as much as Pete wanted to say the squad was there for a Super Bowl run, it's not. But if those are your pieces that you've got going in that you know they've produced before, have the potential to produce from college tape. And I mean, most of those are high picks as well, or formerly yeah. high picks. Um, you've got to have some confidence that, that you've got the building blocks. Uh, I think what the biggest issue he's going to have, and I think this is probably going to land on John's door as well, is where do they start making the savings going forward to to refresh this squad? Yeah, I mean, Nick uh, is that was a young defense as well. We obviously had uh, Jay Clowney, uh, Kyle Van Noy. A bit of a role player, but everyone else was pretty much second, third, or rookie, weren't they, in Baltimore? Yeah, they were. And I think Dave's made the point there about what comes next and who gets cut from the Seahawks is going to be important, I think, and how McDonald's able to shape this defense into his own. And I think you're talking about those young guys in Baltimore, a couple of them in contract years this year, a couple of them free agents now. Does he look to go back to his former team and pick up somebody, you know, a former friend, Patrick Queen, that could have, is he going to be a Seahawk, wasn't a Seahawk? Someone like that, does he want to bring him across? I think there's some few guys. I think Van Noy is also um, uh, in a contract year, a few of the other guys. So what he does there in terms of building his defense will be interesting. But I think he needs to talk with John, and I'm sure these discussions have been ongoing, about what he can do in terms of roster flexibility, particularly on defense. Mm. We know we have some massive contracts tied up at the back end in that secondary. We know people like, Jamal Adams, we've got to mention him. Quandre Diggs, they're on big money. They're not performing to that value. we got someone like Bobby Wagner in the middle. Do you give him another year? Uh, obviously, Jordan Brooks is a free agent. I think Jordan Brooks would probably flourish under McDonald. But do we pay the money there? We know the cap is tight right now. So I think there's a lot of questions and interesting questions for the Seahawks going into the draft period. But I think actually, I think we've all been trying to focus on the offense and Gino and quarterback of the future. And where does the offense go next? How do we get over the hump in this division in terms of scoring points? I don't think that's the direction we're going with this hire. Mm. And now I think we are taking that step back and looking 
at the defense, looking at that mid first round pick, looking for someone that can come in straight away, perform at a good to great level, um, whether that's down the middle, run stuffing, whether that's rushing the passer. I think that's the direction that McDonald's going to have to go to get this defense to a place where we want it to be. Yeah, and it's not it's not infeasible to suggest that it's not unfair really to suggest that to keep Jordan Brooks would be cheaper than to sign Patrick Cream, would it? Because Brooks had the injury. Queen, although he had Rickon Smith alongside him in Baltimore, but that could kind of affect his market maybe a little bit. But like keeping Brooks is going to be cheaper. So yeah, I, I think if they can keep Brooks and just make him the the Bobby of this uh, Mike McDonald defense, but also maybe maybe. That will also depend on who he brings with him to to run that side of the ball. Because I mean, who was Pete's first? Was it Gus Bradley? Was his first DC? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, any any takes on like that translated from uh, Baltimore to Seattle? I think the, the the biggest interest to me is, and you touched on it a little bit. It, it, there's not none of their names are stars in terms of the numbers. They don't have a, a TJ Watt or a, or a Miles Garrett, like you said, who, who uh, uh, getting tons of sacks every game. And so, obviously, he's doing something right schematically and, and moving people around and getting them, getting different people in positions to succeed. You know, we all watched this year when one or two injuries caused, a, I mean, a dreadful defense. And, you know, ultimately, what the, the signing or the re signing of, uh, of Frank Clark and some bloke flying to Seattle to go and watch him. But, um, you know, I think the fact that he doesn't have those stars in Baltimore and is able to to move that kind of the, the pressures around, I think is going to be good. I think you look at some of those defensive names that they've, they've said before, there are some really good young defenders in, in Seattle right now. I mean, you know, Spoon himself, whether or not he, he's defensive rookie of the year or not, he's certainly in the conversation. Reek a year ago was in the conversation. And, you know, we all watched, you know, Chenna and, and, and Mafe and those guys. And I think it's, I'm excited to see what he can do with players that we have seen be good. Can he, can he, can he combine everything into making the defensive side of the ball great? And, you know, as Nick said, what's he going to do about the secondary? And more specifically, those uh, two well-paid safeties. Yeah, that's 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 the main point of focus now, I think, on like the, the player acquisition and re- retention side is, I think I put in our chat during the, the jump to game on Sunday, Kyle Hamilton's a fucking star. Mm-hmm. And like, like he he's what, 6'4", six, 6'3", six, maybe? Hamilton, like we don't have that in that defensive backfield. So, like finding a way to either get the two guys back there out, but that's a lot of pressure to then find someone to come in day one. So that's probably not going to happen. So it's just how that position and the safety position translates in this in this kind of Mike McDonald thing is is I think probably maybe a bigger thing than the, the Brooks Queen kind of thing because it's he, he Hamilton was such an important part and they they used him in ways that we kind of. We heard about they wanted to use number thirty three in Seattle. Like he was all over the field on on Sunday night, and he's yeah. So that's that's gonna be the biggest one is them two. But that doesn't change from whether it's Pete Johnson or um, Kafka or, or as it is McDonald. But um, but like it, it 
talk, reading things from people who are way more knowledgeable on that stuff, this stuff than me, Dave, it doesn't seem like he, and we've heard a lot with East Cast at the quarterback, it doesn't seem like he goes wild with the blitzes. It's all just about locking everything up all across the field and just, it, well, if you give me, if you give my DN seven seconds to get to the quarterback, he's going to get there. I mean, I suppose that's what Pete had in his head always thought there was a solution was that scheme didn't matter. It was always about talent on the ball. But at some point, talent is irrelevant because all 32 teams have got talented players unless they're deliberately trying to strip a roster down. Um, the thing with the scheme issue is that um, it's one of the things that probably easily, most easily travels. Um, it's just probably going to take a, a reset in um, talent and a reset in mindset as well from some players to be able to... Um, want to carry on doing it um i have i've seen a few things that draymond jones seems to be the odd man out here um it's not a, a position that um they've they've used in baltimore and i think it's probably a cap casualty if we're being honest that there's every chance of it happening um i've got the the roster in front of me and there's a name we haven't mentioned in terms of the linebacker room that potentially could make plays next season and that's nicholas below um as we saw last year um there were some emergency plays um but yeah, I think that, that really what it comes down to. If you have a look at um, Mike McDonald's previous, it's, it's as a linebacker coach. And I think ultimately, if they're going to stay with a outside linebacker talent scheme, because that's where all the, the, the resources are at the moment, um, you're going to have to be looking at players that um, potentially are coming in on really cheap deals, maybe that have failed somewhere else. And the the big Ange, the Unai Emery effect of coaching them up rather than expecting talent straight away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, that, it's it's like I, it's weird how I don't think a lot has changed in like the conversations people are going to have around Seattle around this team until they start signing players and like, like drafting players because the same things needed. It just obviously the specifications may have changed a bit. Um, Nick, obviously McDonald is only thirty six, but. He's worked with Harbors for the last decade. He's, I mean, the Ravens' defense is like one of those. Oh yeah, you play defense in a foul. The Ravens' defense is like that kind of could lead him in good stead to like take over from the one who had the other generational defense us of this millennium in Pete Carroll and stuff. That kind of like the the balls to take take on this job kind of can come through because he's 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 led a defense which is so synonymous with just kicking the shit out of teams. He has, and I think there's no question he's had a good grounding in the game. He's learned from some very good minds uh, on this side of the ball. I think the question, though, to flip it around slightly, and particularly with his age, but also just what friend of the show Rob Stan wrote about last week before the McDonald hiring, is how much credit do you give him for the defence this year when, in reality, this Ravens unit under Harbour has been very good for a very long time? bar the odd year where injuries have really affected them. Mm. So whilst I think this year there's been a step up, and as you talked about the pressures earlier, but just the eye test. I mean, you watch this Ravens D-test and defense and they are impressive. You watch them fly to the ball. You've mentioned Carl Hamilton. You said, we don't have one of those. Nobody has one of those. He's a freak. <laughs> um, but there is definitely a question mark to be had around Mike McDonald and his impact and influence on that Ravens defense. This is not me saying this is a bad hire. I think it's a great hire. I think it's the path I'd have gone down as well. But I do think we're going to have to temper expectations a little bit. We're all talking now as if he's this genius 
defensive mind, you talked about Pete Carroll, the Legion of Boom, everything that we know in Seattle. I think we just need to tone it down a little bit and just wait and see and give him a chance to actually put his own stamp on things rather than being as a coordinator. So, yeah, optimistic, but I do just want to temper expectations a little bit. And also, just to Dave's point, I think, talking of cap casualties, Nick Ballora is certainly one of those, as opposed to a a linebacker option for the Seahawks next year. Yeah, and I I think my point more was that, like, he... He's not going to be overawed by the situation. Obviously, he's put himself forward for, for this opportunity, but he's he's like he coached the defense in Michigan that equally is physical and like doesn't give up many yards or points and stuff. And like we saw two months ago playing the, the this, his Ravens defense, it's a blender. Like I think Gino had like a, was it forty eight QBR? I think he did that day. Like nothing was came easy at really any point in that game, and it wasn't a very pleasant watch. I just think it's like the the gumption and like the ability to just yeah yeah now this is to to come in there and just forget everything that's coming for it and just get on with the job is is quite encouraging for what he's going to have to do. But yeah, there's like I said, there's a lot of questions still unanswered and they're pretty much the same they were when Pete left uh, a month ago. This January's a fucking long month. Um, yeah, a, a, any other points on the on the hire Dan that you want to bring up or make or shout about? No, just honestly, and you might be slightly surprised here, but I'm excited, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the hire and to see what comes next. I'm excited to have hopefully a, a good defense again, um, and I'm probably as apprehensive about the hiring of the offensive coordinator as I was about <laughs> the hiring of the of the head coach. You know, when when Dan Quinn was immediately the first name out, and then. I don't know, eight minutes later, we've watched this team concede 300 points in, in whatever it was. I think we all kind of were like, oh. And so, you know, I think we all had a bit of apprehension and ultimately yeah, we're all in agreement with the hiring of the head coach. The next is is the offensive coordinator and working out if Geno's his guy and how to, how to be good on offense if this guy we've given the head coach to is going to be good on defense which well, hopefully he is right yeah exciting and positive Stuart there you go there you go Quote it. is there uh, David is there anything that you can see like offensively because like he did have he does have some someone so I think Leslie Frazier said a few few weeks ago that he, he knows how offenses work do you think there's anything offensively that we could kind of look to what Baltimore did obviously they have a they have a unicorn, a quarterback, but how they get the ball or, or try and get the ball around to the receivers, tight ends, and the running game. Do you think there's anything we could kind of pick out and maybe see how Gino would work running some some something similar to that? I suppose the, the elephant in the room is that there's 17 days. Seals have got a decision to make. Um, it's five days after the Super Bowl. They need to decide if they're keeping Gino, they're going to trade Gino or they're going to cut Gino to, in terms of the cap casualty. But I think the bigger um, thing around that, it's not like it's a New England where it's been asset stripped over the years, or it's not as if it's a uh, Washington where they just traded away players. You've still got DK Metcalf, you've still got JSN, you've still got um, uh, Abe Lucas, you've still got Charles Cross, who are all on the, well, JSN, Abe and um, Charles Cross are all on rookie deals. Um the, the bones are there. I think they just need to be a little bit more fine-tuning. They need to... Interior offensive line, I think, is going to be key. Mm-hmm. I think, realistically, the the five up front are going to be the key to everything they do. Tight ends, 
they'll probably draft one, they may even draft two. Um, they've got, I would imagine there's going to probably be some cuts and movement there as well. Um, but the the reality is, you've got two running backs for rightly or wrongly second round picks that um, you can get behind. The the bones are there for a good offense. Um, they just need to be not be milk toast when it comes to red zone opportunities and keep their downs because I think ultimately that's where they are either going to come unstuck with because all of a sudden you can you can keep teams to seventeen points, but if you're not scoring more than seventeen points. Um, yeah, that pressure is going to build and build like it did on Staley over at the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, it's it it with, with all the Ben Johnsons of the world being muted for the job, Nick, it kind of felt like it could be an arms race in the NFC with how Kyle Murray and the Cardinals operate on offense. But like you said earlier, like this kind of changes tact a bit, doesn't it? Because obviously, even with Pete, he was still about yeah, we're going to score more points, comfortable in shootouts. It kind of feels like McDonald's like no, no, we're just going to make life really, really fucking hard for you. I think that's what we need. I think that's what this franchise needs at this point. It needs a reset. We've all said it. And I think that's what this hiring brings. What I'll say on the process, actually, and I think that probably might play into what we see over the next few weeks. I mean, I don't know your views on it, but I think John obviously has conducted himself extremely well. It's a thorough process, but I think what is evident now is he had his guy. He thought McDonald was the guy. He couldn't do anything about it. So he did so much due diligence, all those interviews, all those second interviews. He's got some intelligence. And now what I want to know is, is he going to go down the assistant head coach path? Is he going to get one of those guys in the running for the for the main job, for head coach? Is he going to bring them in and, and run his offense and work with McDonald? Whether McDonald wants that as a 36-year-old head coach, whether he wants someone with this experience, I don't know. It depends on the ego of the man. I don't know. McDonald enough to know what sort of bloke he is, whether he's the sort of guy that will feel challenged by bringing in an experienced guy to run an offense as assistant head coach or whether he'd welcome it. But I do think this whole hiring process, we could easily see one of those names connected with the Seahawks coming back over to Seattle in that uh, function, give them a promotion, run the offense, work with McDonald. I could see it happening. Yeah. The most obvious one is Kafka, isn't it? That's the one assistant head coach. He's going to want a promotion to leave the Giants even all the questions over there and working with working with Dayball. But the, the thing with the, the McVeigh, uh, uh, McVeigh's first DC in LA was Wade Phillips. Like, I'm not too sure who would be the Wade Phillips equivalent on the offensive side for McDonald. But that also, like, if it's not Kafka, that also could be someone that he's worked with in the past kind of thing, because I'm sure they cross paths um, during his joints around the league. But yeah, like, it's, it's just exciting, but there is, the question is now what happens on the offensive side. And then we think kind of things maybe because we have things to point to and coaching history is to point to. But yeah, like the, it is so open ended. It, like the spectrum is so wide for where, what what road he could go down. And I'm sure that's already well underway. And before, like by the time this gets out, maybe people that would have become clearer. But yeah, it's 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 just it's just it's just fun in it. Like at a certain point, like we, the, the unknown is kind of. I'm sure, like Dave mentioned him earlier, Nick, you had this kind of with, with Ange in the summer, but the last few years has been we're not letting many goals in, we're not doing much, and now it's just six months of fun, you're kind of like delirious when the number three goes on the scoreboard, aren't you, at the at the old lane? It's, it's kind of similar to what you went through in the summer. Yeah, absolutely, and I think without wanting to talk about that lot down the road, <coughs> it is very, very similar to what happened with Arsenal at the end of 
the Wenger years. I mean, Pete Carroll and Wenger have so many similarities, <laughs> so many comparisons you could make in terms of their careers and everything else. What they found, obviously, was the grass wasn't greener immediately, and it's taken them quite a bit of time to find a new identity now. They obviously had a few years in the wilderness. Uh, Dave's guy in the middle of it, who kind of became the full guy there with Emery. But I think the Seahawks, this is the point, and I think actually... Whilst it's easy for us to sit here and say this now um, and not get on their back straight away when they're not winning next year, I think we have to allow for this transition to happen. Mm. We have to allow for a multiple-year period where McDonald can become his own guy, his own head coach, and take the Seahawks away from Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is basically the Seahawks in our lifetime. As you know, In terms of like real fans, this is what he embodies everything that I know as a fan of Seattle, basically, is Pete mm. Carroll. So it's going to take time to shift that away from that. And I don't necessarily think we need to shift away from everything Carroll did. Carroll was successful in Seattle for a long time for a reason. And the way he cultivated that players, those players should be respected and the reason they come back every year. So we don't want to get away from it totally, but I think we do have to give him time. Um, But it is exciting to get back to your original point. I mean, Angie's a breath of fresh air, loved having him there every single moment. Like even when we're losing, it's entertaining. And I think McDonald brings that this off season going into next year, just different, different excitement. Yeah. Uh, Dan, you're five hours, six hours behind us. You're going to, Bomb off in a sec, or is it actually gone already? Uh, any final thoughts on the offensive side? Of- the enemy been fired by Washington yet? If he has, let's have him. <laughs> Concise, almost like you got time constraints. Cheers for jumping on, Dan. I listen to your dulcet tones in the morning, first oh. thing after dropping the kids at school. What, what a way to start the day in the Carolinas, <laughs> Dave. Um, just quickly, I was um, doing a bit of uh, googling whilst you were uh, talking to Nick. But uh, Jim Caldwell would be the Wade Phillips on the offensive side of it. I think if you're going to look for the um, like that, the older citizen who'd come in and teach him how to be a head coach. I mean, would he? Has he got any crossover with McDonald? Um, without having to go into it further, probably not. But I mean, I'd probably not sure think they might have lived in Michigan at the same time. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about reality, is it's going to be John, isn't it? Is is going to be the key figure for all these uh, hires now? Yeah, I mean that it it kind of it kind of confirms everything he said on his uh, press conference last week that like he's the man. This this is going to probably be his team. He's just got the guy. Yeah, he's he's got the guy to kind of let him pick and choose the players he wants, kind of thing. It's yeah, it is going to be interesting to see who brings in. It's also going to be interesting who brings in to run his defense, obviously because Pete was so set on how his defence was supposed to run. Obviously, had the LOB years and whatever has happened since all those guys retired and went to jail. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting on the, on the, uh, on the, on the other side. Uh, anything else on this, the hire and everything? It's just, it, it's, it, 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 it just, it, it's the first time in a while where it feels like the Seahawks have done the right thing. And I'd love to know what Steiner's conversations have been like for the last two weeks. Because like, as Nick, as you said, Nick, like it's clearly McDonald was his guy. Quite clearly, like how like <laughs> desperate he was for for Holmes and Kelsey to run rough with a shot. He's the biggest on there on there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> He's on getting this psyop stuff in, exactly. into the open. Uh, I think yeah, that's like, on there, Stu, in terms of the it's the most sensible thing the Seahawks have done in ages. And I think I'm emboldened by the fact that Jody has 
made a decision. Jodie has put herself on the line. Pete obviously didn't want to go. He stressed in those meetings at the end. He thought he was going. Then he decided he didn't want to go. But yeah, the decision was made. John has been given free reign to, to make his shots, make his calls. And I think that is a great thing for the Seahawks, the way the franchise has been going the last half a decade. This is what we needed right now. So yeah. definitely emboldened and excited by that. Yeah, and like, and like the Allen family now and Vulcan or whatever the, the mother company is, of parent company is of the Seahawks, it's Holmgren, Carolyn, the hot, the hottest commodity in NFL coaching, isn't it? Like it's not, it's not the splash that Holmgren was thirty years ago, and not the splash that the winningest coach in the first decade of this millennium was. But he's the hottest name in coaching. He had the, like, he, he really should still probably be coaching if it weren't for Boston College rookie wide receivers. But we're glad he isn't. Uh, what, what, what do you expect? Obviously, outside of coaching, what do you expect? Like. Is there any like, player that you can see being the first domino to fall with McDonald? Or is it, 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 it for me, it just feels like the safeties are going to be the ones to watch? Yeah. I think, I think realistically, um, there's probably going to be one player for each position that is either a cut that's expected or someone that's just out of the blue. Um, yeah. and think, I think realistically, there's going to be some hard conversations with some fans who don't want to see certain players go, but they're. These are the same fans that were crying out for Pete Carroll not to go. But yeah, yet they were the same ones that were crying out for something to change. I mean, realistically, um, we're winding back to two years ago where it was a rebuild, but it wasn't really a rebuild because that's the situation we're effectively in again. We're, we're nothing's really certain. So if you're going to do it, do it now and start again from scratch. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun next few next few weeks. Nick, anyone that you kind of like keying on as being there? A player personnel domino to fall or still yeah, way I mean, too early in this? It is too early, but I mean, Dave's kind of said it. The safeties have to be. Draymond, he mentioned earlier, has to be. I think if he's not cut, I'll be shocked. And I think it's the big question is whether or not he inks Frank Clark to the extension we're all hoping for. <laughs> back into the building and doing that long-term deal. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, six years is it's, it's, it's a long, old time in the NFL. It's longer than Todd Gurley's NFL career. Like it's it's a long time in NFL, so it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Like like we've been a bit down on the team the last couple of years, and we might be come September and October. But at the, at the current time, it's it's you, you, you can kind of see the direction they're trying to kind of pull the the ship the ship in, and the icebergs are trying to dodge. So yeah, uh, I this think is what said, we all wanted. This is sorry, Siri. This is what we all wanted two years ago. When Russell got traded, I think we all wanted this. We wanted that Carol era to end and to get going to basically doing what we're doing now. Then we had that year last year where snuck into the playoffs. Gino was so much better than expected. Papered over the cracks and put a winning product on the field again. But something just didn't feel right. But we came into this year with optimism. Let's not forget that. After winning last year and making the playoffs, there was definitely optimism this year coming in. Yeah. After the draft we had as well. And it didn't quite work out. So I'm glad we're there. It probably should have been done two years ago, but let's go. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who the Mike McDonald was sort of two years ago. Uh, it'd been McDaniel, wouldn't it? Two years ago? That'd yeah. have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. That would have been a lot of fun. It'd be easier to get certain guests back on as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm sure uh, Mike McDonald will. Um, 
We'll talk probably next week because I'm sh- surely they're on their way to Mobile, Alabama for the senior yeah. bowl. Surely that's what's going to, or at least East, East West Shrine. I think, I think someone said it's just the scouts that are down there at the minute and have been for the first couple of days. So who knows? The senior bowl was a, was a, a treasure trove for uh, Pete and John over the last 13 years. Let's see if it repeat, it stays the same with Schneider still in control, but with a new man calling the shot. The Seahawks have a new coach, a 36 year old. Mike McDonald along that clip that scene from uh Fort Yard Virgin. I just this all every time I hear his name, it's just like I'm gonna shoot my <laughs> anyway. Tangent. Uh yeah, this has been the Ped Pod. Thank you, Nick, for ju- jumping on. Rushing home from the Spurs beating Neil Moore Pace Brentford. Yeah, no, cheers, Jude. Thanks for having me on. I someone had to replace Adam with the uh Coming from the lane, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's an aura that comes with coming from the spaceship, I guess, isn't it? Like yeah, you, you come, you 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 in a world of comfort for two and a half hours. So you can only look at mine and Dave's mugs for forty minutes <laughs> just to square it off. And Dave, cheers for jumping on as always, sir. No worries, thank you very much. Oh, just quickly as well, shout out to Whitney on Seahawks Twitter because yeah, she, she nailed this last night. Yeah. Uh, at, at Trump lost suck it is one of the greatest um, tags. <laughs> On Twitter, and it's it's, it's perfect for Dan Cohen. <laughs> He's now unfortunately going to wake 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 up and hear that at quarter past nine in the morning. I'm glad uh, you got a sir in there, by the way, because there's been a, a lack of respect on this podcast up until that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, for anyone betting out there on golf, Tommy Fleetwood's went at Pebble Beach in the in the windstorms that are going on on the California coast. Forty to one, the man's won. He's going to win again. He's going to win on the PGA Tour. It's happening. Uh, yeah, PepPod, uh, at the PepPod on Twitter, all the usual means of methods, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podbean, and probably Google Music at this point. If anyone wants to go and check if it's on Google Music, please feel free. Uh, yeah, until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks. There we go.